0: gentlemen. We finally did it. It is basketball season once again in the NBA. Welcome to another episode of the Earth is Ball podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Weeps, and we've got a jam-packed episode for you today. I'm going to be joined by ASU Director of Player Development and Scouting, Brandon Rosenthal, and we're going to talk about some of his experiences in the coaching field and what he expects to see in the NBA bubble in the coming days. And then later in the episode, I'm going to give some of my bold predictions about what's going to happen in the regular season and the playoffs in the upcoming NBA bubble. So without wasting any more time, let's get right into it. Basketball's back, baby. Let's go. So now joining us on the Earth is a Ball podcast is the ASU Men's Basketball Director of Scouting and Player Development. He also was responsible for scouting and player development with the Phoenix Suns from 2017 to 2019 and helped initiate the first shooting analytics database in the NBA as a part of the Houston Rockets in 2015 and 2016. It's Brandon Rosenthal. Brandon, thank you for taking some time to join me on this uh, wonderful Thursday.
1: Well, Ricky, uh, thank you for letting me uh, join you on this awesome podcast. Uh, grateful to be here and excited to have a conversation with you during these uh, pandemic times so thanks uh thanks for inviting me on here with you
0: today now Brandon I just want to start off with that you've been a lot of different places in almost a decade now and you've been in the coaching profession pretty much that entire time so what really piqued your interest to get you into coaching
1: great question I've known I've always wanted to be involved in sports uh going back to a young age I actually grew up uh really playing every sport, but really focused my time and energy in hockey uh, of all sports and uh, grew up in Arizona where uh, it was primarily roller hockey that I was playing and just kind of got to a point right before high school where I said, well, it doesn't really feel like hockey roller hockey specifically has much of a, of a future And uh, obviously, growing up in Tucson, where uh, Pac-12 basketball and University of Arizona, basketball is really popular. I said, you know what, maybe I'll give basketball a try. Uh, All my friends were playing it and fell in love with the sport immediately. And so from that point on, always knew that I wanted to be involved in basketball. I wanted to see where the playing career took me. Um, But then in the back of my mind, I always knew too that I wanted to get into coaching at some point as well. And so Really, at a young age, uh, I'd say maybe even starting in like seventh grade, I was already planning a path in my head that was built around getting into coaching once my playing career finished up. And uh, so every decision that I made, excuse me, uh, moving forward was basically built around uh, the opportunity to either play or the opportunity to coach.
0: Now, you've done a lot of player development these last couple of years coming onto Arizona State's uh, program as a director of scouting and player development but you haven't really had much time to develop these players this past offseason because you don't have the offseason workouts when students are on campus because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So what have you kind of adjusted in your plan in terms of trying to help these younger freshmen that are coming in or that are rising sophomores now to help develop their basketball skills?
1: It's uh, it's always a team effort. Uh, everybody on staff is involved in terms of de- the development of the players. Uh, Development too, as you know, Ricky, like it happens on the court, it happens off the court. The biggest challenge has just been obviously being in the middle of a pandemic where everything's been primarily through Zoom. So a lot of video, a lot of conversations, leaning on a lot of other people that are uh, not outside of our program, but outside of our immediate coaching staff uh, to lead conversations and and mentor. So it's uh, it's been an all hands on deck effort. Uh, especially I'd say over the last three months to uh, to move everybody forward. And, and so everybody keeps learning, everybody keeps developing.
0: Now, I know a lot of people will take up a lot of different hobbies during quarantine and maybe develop different things. What's something that you've learned about yourself during this quarantine period?
1: <sighs> That's a good question, Ricky. I feel like I need, I need more time to sit back and reflect a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, I think I've learned that I can still be disciplined. I can still find a routine. Um, It's probably helped me in some of my relationships. Like it's given me a little bit more free time to sit on the, on the phone and talk to people. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, you still need that human interaction. It's been challenging not to have that interaction be in person, but I think making and really carving out time to sit on the phone and zoom. I, I think, I've become a little bit of an expert on sitting on Zoom calls and, um, and, and taking advantage of kind of that face-to-face contact. Uh, my, my grandparents actually know how to use Zoom now. Um, and before, I, I think it w- we would have been really lucky if we could have gotten them just to turn on a, an iPad. So uh, I think for me personally, it's just been realizing that I can stick with the routine, I can continue to be disciplined, and I can t- continue to get better at things as well.
0: Now I kind of want to dive into your the different levels of basketball you've coached at because I think it's really interesting because you started off the Rochester Razor Sharks which are part of the Premier Basketball League which I know you've alluded to it as kind of like minor league basketball but you've also coached at the NBA level you coached at Santa Clara before going to the Rockets and the Suns and ASU so what are kind of the different styles of play you've seen between those levels
1: I will start by saying that basketball is basketball um i think what changes from one level to the next level one like don't get me wrong the rules play a big part of it uh but usually the higher level you go the more athleticism the more raw athleticism uh the speed of the game uh the quickness in in terms of decision making uh, everybody just gets a little bit longer taller uh more athletic i think at the, at the different levels that you go um the NBA certainly has some of the most skilled, athletic, talented, competitive basketball players you're ever going to find. Um, international basketball is also there's, – there's some incredible leagues overseas. But that's kind of been the big separator is, is the game just really gets a little bit faster. Uh, players, again, are just more athletic. They're longer. Uh, and in some cases, they're just a lot more skilled as well.
0: So, with players being more athletically talented, so to say, in the NBA, how did you get them to listen to someone like you who, did, who hasn't played a minute in the National Basketball Association? You played at John Fisher College when you were a student there. How did you get guys like Kelly Oubre or Shaq Harrison to listen to you and actually try out different things to make their game that much better?
1: That's a great question. And... Quite frankly, uh, I don't know if I, you'd have to ask them in some ways that question, Uh, but at the end of the day, I think just anybody that wants to get better and improve in in an area, if somebody has the knowledge uh, or has done the work and uh, can provide some of the answers necessary for you to be successful, you're going to probably listen to them. So Ricky, if, if I um, am studying for a math test and you know all the questions and have all the answers on the math test, um, I would love to ask you if you would mind helping me. And so I think it's the same thing in basketball, uh, regardless of, of level and, and experience, that if you've put in the time and effort and you've worked really hard um, and people see that you... Have the knowledge uh, necessary to help them. They're they're going to go to you. They're going to respect you. And I think if you continue to show a level of respect in terms of how you present yourself and your professionalism and your attention to detail, that too also garners a level of respect from people.
0: Now I want to circle back to your time in Houston with Coach D'Antoni. The Rockets, obviously, a very analytic driven team, and you helped build one of the first shooting analytic databases. So. What role do you think analytics play in basketball right now? And where could you see analytics taking basketball in the future?
1: So I heard this the other night, somebody said that analytics are are not played in a spreadsheet and I would strongly agree with that, but what they are is an incredible, um, tool to help with your decision-making as a coach. Sometimes there are just questions that you have that essentially can be answered by analytics. Um, is it best to use this defensive coverage? Is it best to play this style on offense? And you can find numbers that can support your decision-making. And so having having that tool essentially in your toolbox, and, and it helps you prepare to be a better coach, make better decisions, which ultimately is the whole key in all of this as, as a head coach.
0: Now, you mentioned that – it. Plays a role in your decision making and things like that. Now, every coach, I feel like, has their own book of what kind of system they would want to run when they would become a head coach of a team. So, what kind of offense and defense would you like to run as a head coach? Like, what is if you were head coach Brandon Rosenthal, what kind of system would you be running?
1: Well, in a perfect world, uh, I have five NBA MVPs uh, in the starting five, a bench with all uh, all stars and. Um, so we'd have, we'd have the most talented team in NBA history, but to my point, you I think you always start with the players, uh, philosophically. I don't, I try to pride myself on being somebody that studies the game, uh, in depth to the point that you tell me what the ingredients are, um, in terms of the talent level that's on the roster. And then I figure out a way to fit the offensive or defensive system around the players that are there. And, you know, you always have an idea in the back of your mind in terms of how you want to play, whether it's, you know, playing a kind of a freestyle wide open offense that allows you to get up and down the floor allows your players to attack the rim, break the paint spray for threes, um, be aggressive defensively, uh, cause turnovers. But if you don't have the personnel to play that way, then it's probably not going to be a successful plan of attack. So I think it always starts with the players that you have on your roster. The personnel is, uh, is, is what determines the way you get to play. And I think as a coach, if you can find the ideal style for the personnel that you have and you're flexible within that offense or defensive system to adjust from one opponent to the next opponent or as the season goes along and players develop or somebody stands out or maybe a player gets injured, uh, that to me is a sign of a good, good head coach. And so that's, that's how I would pride myself in terms of, of running a team and, and coaching.
0: I like that. That's, that's a good answer to that question. Appreciate especially, it. especially to all those aspiring coaches out there. Now I'm interested to hear what your opinion is on the NBA bubble. And do, do you think it's going to work out down in Orlando? Do you think the NBA is going to finish their season with a champion?
1: Uh, I sure as hope it does. Um, and, and not to, get into anything like dark and gloomy but I think just for our the simplicity of saying that like our profession needs it to I think what the what the NBA is doing by playing is uh, extremely important uh, not only for the well-being of you know maybe our our culture and and for people alike to have something to watch and to take their mind off of everything kind of going on in the world right now but um, for our profession specifically uh, with coaches, we need uh, we need the game to bring in money. We need to generate revenue. It's an entertainment business. And so if we're not entertaining and we're not working, we're not going to have jobs. And so I really hope that it does work from what friends have told me and from what I've heard. It's uh, an incredible environment that the NBA's has built uh, down in Florida, and they're doing an incredible job uh, in terms of uh, – putting protocols in place and creating processes that hopefully lead to having long-term success and having a full season and being able to compete through the playoffs and and have an NBA championship. So uh, I sure hope so. And, and based on what I've heard so far in terms of feedback, it seems like that's, what's going to happen.
0: Now, if you had to put your finger on one team to win the NBA championship, or at least make a lot of noise in the playoffs, who would that team be right now for you?
1: Oh man, I'm uh. I'm not going to bet against LeBron James. That's all I'm going to say.
0: All right, Brandon. Well, now is a good time for our listeners to go check out the Earth is Ball Twitter page at Earth is Ball Pod because I'm going to be putting up an exclusive video with Brandon and I breaking down some film. So go check that out. But for now, I'm going to say, Brandon, thank you for joining me. And uh, hopefully we'll meet up in Arizona in a few weeks.
1: Sounds good, man. Yeah, I hope to – Hope to get back into the gym here soon and, and get everybody back on campus. Uh, but regardless, thanks again for having me on the podcast. Always enjoy talking hoops, talking life with you, Ricky.
0: All right, so you might have just heard Brandon say that he has King James as his favorite to win the championship. I'm going to leave that for another debate for another time. But why don't we bring back a segment that some people didn't really like the last time we had it on the show, and that's Ricky's Rankings. That's right, Ricky's Rankings, making its return to the Earth as a Ball. And today's Ricky's Rankings, I'm going to kind of pair it with my NBA predictions. So this is going to be Ricky's Rankings, bold NBA predictions. I'm going to go 5-1 to from the most likely I think that's going to happen to like the least likely that I still think will happen, if that makes sense. So I believe everything I'm about to say. So let's start off with number five. I think Zion's going to struggle and the Pelicans aren't going to make the playoffs. I mean, they're sitting three and a half games out right now of the Memphis Grizzlies, who have the eighth seed right now. And they're tied with the Blazers and the Kings in that spot, being three and a half games out. I think Zion coming in and out of the bubble, having to quarantine, not practicing with his team, is actually going to hurt the Pelicans in a lot of ways. And not only is Zion missing the playoffs going to be the headline, but it's going to be J.J. Redick and his streak of 13 consecutive years making the playoffs. That is the longest active streak in the NBA right now. He hasn't missed the playoffs in his entire NBA career, and Zion is going to be the one to mess it up because they're going to lean on him so much. Yes, he's well-rested. Yes, he's healthy. But I don't think the Pelicans can put it together in eight games to come from three and a half back to launch into that eight seed and secure a spot in the playoffs. Now, number four, I think, is one a lot of people saw coming, just because, yes, he might be one of my favorite players in the NBA besides J.J. Redick. And yes, I love the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm not going to hide my bias, but I wholeheartedly believe that the Fresh Prince, Ben Simmons, will make at least five three-pointers in the NBA bubble. That includes the seeding games and the playoffs, but we already saw him go one of two in the first exhibition game. I think Ben Simmons is going to find his stroke from deep, and he is not turning back. I think five is a low number for Ben Simmons, and I'm going to get into the Sixers maybe a little bit later. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I think Ben Simmons, he checks in at number four in Ricky's rankings for bold NBA predictions. Ben Simmons, five three-pointers in the restart. Now let's move on to number three. Let's face it. Somebody is gonna be stupid enough to get kicked out of the bubble for fighting. We already saw some socially distant arguments going on in the MLB this past week, and I think there's gonna be a fight brewing in the NBA bubble. These guys have been cooped up together for almost a month now, and the games haven't even started. Now imagine adding some competitiveness to all these games, and one duo that I'm looking at in particular is Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren. Now, these two guys have a little bit of a history because they were getting up in each other's grills, and there was a slight altercation earlier in the regular season, but they're also set to face off against each other two times in the seeding games. So, already add that to the storyline, much less maybe they face off against each other in the playoffs or even just pass by each other in the hotel. I've already read rumors that Jimmy Butler had security called on him for bouncing a basketball in his room, who knows? Maybe T.J. Warren was the floor underneath him. But T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler, maybe they'll be the ones to get kicked out of the bubble for fighting. Maybe they won't. Maybe it'll be someone like going up to Lou Williams because he went to a nightclub and he's like, yo, you put us all in jeopardy, man. And then they start throwing hands. Who knows? But I think somebody is going to start an altercation in the bubble and it's not going to be a good look. And Adam Silver's not even going to hesitate. Just kick them out. All right, moving on to my top two. Now, these are going to be ones that get people... Really, really upset. I shouldn't say upset, but like, but they're going to question my thought process and why I even choose to do a sports podcast and if I even follow the sport of basketball. So checking in at number two, the Portland Trailblazers are going to make it to the Western Conference Finals for the second year in a row. That's right. The Portland Trailblazers, who currently sit three and a half games out of the eight seed, are going to make it one series away from the NBA Finals. And yes, before you ask, I am thinking 100% clearly, I can see it in the future, and I totally believe in Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Carmelo Anthony. Now, a lot of people are picking the Blazers as their dark horse team, and that's mostly because they have Yusuf Nurkic back, who didn't play the entire regular season. averaged a double-double for the Blazers last year was an integral part of their offense, Now you're pairing him up with Hassan Whiteside and not to mention Zach Collins from Gonzaga coming back from injury. This is a loaded backcourt now and a loaded frontcourt on top of that. You have guys all over the place. They're a great all-around team, a lot of veterans, a lot of younger guys, but these guys know how to play the game of basketball at the highest level. I don't see the Blazers, you know, struggling in this bubble restart. I think this restart is one of the best things to happen to the Trailblazers. I think the Blazers and another team that I'm going to mention later, are the two biggest beneficiaries of the giant hiatus the NBA took because of the coronavirus. And I think that everybody's going to see that on display when the Blazers start playing the seeding games. I think they have the possibility to go 8-0, and and then you look up and they're in the playoffs already, and they could match up against LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the first round. But I think having Nurkic back, Whiteside, you know, never count out Carmelo Anthony and Damian Lillard in the playoffs. Maybe they could knock off the Lakers in the first round. I could totally see it happening, and that's why the Blazers making it to the Western Conference Finals is number two on Ricky's rankings this week. (sighs) Now it's the one everybody's been waiting for. Number one on Ricky's rankings for bold NBA predictions for the bubble restart goes to the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know who would have saw that coming. I know, completely out of left field. But my bold prediction with the Philadelphia 76ers Sixers and six, baby. We're winning the chip this year. And no, it is not a completely biased pick for me. I look at the Sixers roster right now. They had a lot of chemistry issues early in the season. They had a tough time spacing with Al Horford and Joel Embiid on the floor at the same time, Ben Simmons refusing to shoot a jump shot. Tobias Harris was cold every other night, and they really had no flow to their offense. Now, somehow, within all that madness, they still managed to have a winning record and clinch a spot in the playoffs. But this hiatus benefited the Sixers the most, because if you look at where they were when the season ended, you had Ben Simmons on the injured list with a back injury, you had Shake Milton putting up 40 points per game, and Bede and Horford were still at their wits, kind of fighting against each other in the post. But now this team, watching their last three exhibition games, and I know they're only exhibition games, this team has really gelled a lot better than we have seen the entire season. Matisse Theibel, as a rookie, is coming into his own. He knows his role. He's well-rested. You know, one of the things that plagues NBA rookies their first season is that 82-game marathon. Well, you don't have that this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how guys like John Morant, Zion Williamson, even though he only played 19 games, Matisse Theibel all these guys, how they respond to this shortened season. And I think Brett Brown is going to be looked at at the end of this season as a genius for putting Ben Simmons at the forward position because he can still be a playmaker in the high post. And having a shooter like Shake Milton, who's a reliable shooter from deep, it just enables more floor spacing. And then you have Al Horford coming off the bench for Joel Embiid, so you don't have that much clogging in the lane when you put Ben Simmons at the high post. You have Joel Embiid down on the block. It makes things a lot more easier on offense, and the offense has really been smooth the last couple games from what I've seen. So it's going to be interesting to see how they attack teams, if they keep the same flow on offense once the season picks back up again. Not to mention, they're one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. I think Ben Simmons is an all-defensive player. I think Joel Embiid has all-defensive potential when he's healthy. You just can't sleep on the Sixers, man. They got too much going for them. Four bounces away last year from going to the Eastern Conference Finals. You don't think they're still thinking about those four bounces every day? Four bounces, Sixers and Six. That's all I have for Ricky's Rankings, and that's all I have for the rest of this episode, so I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Next week is going to be the summer finale, and I'm going to ask for your help to send in some questions on voice memos. Make sure you stay tuned. That announcement is going to be on our Twitter page, at Pod. I want to thank Brandon Rosenthal again for joining the show and providing us with a nice interview. But until next week, just remember the earth is a ball.